Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach. Always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh, yes. Hey, it's Carol Jurgensen. She's a.k.a. Carol the Coach. And I am so happy to be with you. You know, Russell was talking about never really feeling satisfied with what he has. And I said that that on some level was representative, representative of low self-esteem. Because I've got to tell you, if you got good self-esteem, then you appreciate those things that are before you. You know, part of having good self-esteem is that you reframe. You're able to say to yourself, you know what, what is working in my life? What is is good? What I'm going to ask myself, what am I grateful for? And when you do that, no matter what your situation, you develop resiliency. And resiliency is so important to good self-esteem. Now, It can be tough to do. There is no doubt about it. If you're not, if you haven't been oriented to that kind of thinking, it's easy to do the woe is me. Like let's say you're an addict and you've just been discovered by your partner and she is absolutely 100% unbelievably betrayed. And she won't talk to you. She won't sleep with you. She she doesn't trust you. You might ask yourself, what is good about that? But here's what I believe to be true. The discovery represents the beginning of honesty. And so 
part of your process is getting honest. Now, I am going to encourage you to get honest with a professional who will help guide a process called disclosure. And when you do a formal disclosure with somebody who knows what the heck they're doing, you can get all this information out at one time and stop traumatizing her by eking out a staggered disclosure whereby she never knows what to expect, or he, depending on who the sex addict is. So disclosures are so very important to the process of recovery. Recovery for you, because you're finally divulging everything about your secret, and recovery for the couple, because at least you can be on common ground, you know where he stands, he knows where she stands. And then let's just say that the coupleship does not weather the storm of discovery, does not weather the storm of disclosure. Then I got to say, a reframe there is at least you did the right thing to try to right the wrongs of sexual addiction. Now, the good news is. Although there are people that never could get over it, that's very rare. Because when you're willing to do absolute honesty and you're willing to go through that process, and with a formal disclosure, there's typically a polygraph test. When you're willing to take that kind of, um, if you're willing to go those steps to create trust and reliability, more than likely, he or she is going to wait around and see if you can walk your talk. So, again, a disclosure is not where you decide what to say. A disclosure is when it's a formalized process with trained professionals who set up safety for both of you to share absolute honesty. And I've just been running into this left and right lately, and I I understand it 100%. I do disclosures, but a lot of the men that I'm working with, they say, I talked to my sponsor, and he says, I don't, I should not make an amends if it's going to hurt my wife. Well, the amends process is very different than disclosure. Disclosure is when you spend four, five, six sessions with your counselor, or you do an intensive where you spend a day, day and a half coming up with the information and then with safe people available, you share your story in totality. An amends is when you share your feelings, oftentimes your apology to that person or Um, to your sponsor, you know, holding yourself accountable for what you did. But you know what? An amends is for you. The disclosure is for the three of you. Now, the three of you includes you, your partner, and the coupleship. They're very different processes. So I can understand why a sponsor or the fellowship gets them confused. 
it sounds like when I'm asking somebody to do a disclosure, it sounds kind of like the amends process, but it is 100% different. And that's why you need to go to a trusted professional. You either need to go to sexhelp.com and find yourself a CSAT, a certified sexual addictions therapist, and somebody who's partner-sensitive and trained in trauma, or go to APSATS, and that is the Association of Partner Trauma Specialists. They are, they are absolutely trained to help the partner work through her trauma, to help her create boundaries, to help her to deal with what is necessary in her life to take care of herself and to move forward in her life, whether that be with the addict or without. I happen to be trained in both, so I am very partial to both of those organizations. And I'm very partial to coupleships. I don't want to give any single sex addicts a bad rap. You know, I want to help you too. But I do believe that it's harder and easier if you have a partner. It's harder because you have to deal with the trauma, the collateral damage of hurting other people. But it's better because there's a reason to get healthy and there's a reason to want to work for the coupleship. Now, tonight we are going to be interviewing well, this this is just the first time ever. Um, a modern-day cowboy finds real hope and true freedom with Carol the Coach. I have just finished Clint's Journey Home, A Cowboy's Guide to Hope and Freedom from Addiction, written by Roy Clinton. And Roy um, wants you to meet Clint Hazard. He's a modern-day cowboy who believes he was born 150 years too late. He stumbles into recovery from multiple forms of addiction, and his journey is aided by watching the change that takes place in his best friend, who took the same journey about a year before him. Boy, that's, that's what's so powerful about, about fellowship. It is powerful because, let's face it, When it's happening to you, you're in the midst of it. When you watch it happen to a friend, you're a bit detached and more of the observer. So for a man with seemingly unlimited potential, Clint succeeds in making an absolute mess of his life. He risks all for his addictions and is oblivious to the self-destructive path that he's on. Now, i got to tell you that Roy Clinton is a psychotherapist and Western author who divides his time between Texas and the Canadian Rockies. And he's written this book to help you understand what a cowboy needs to gain hope and freedom from his addiction. And we've never done a novel. We've never done fiction. And this is exciting stuff. If you want to read a good read, you got to... Look at this book, which is coming out um, next month, probably the 1st of April. So, again, I am real excited to be 
able to talk to you about something that, you know, my belief is anyway, when you're reading fiction or you're reading a novel, you join that novel wherever it fits you. And so that's what I hope that you'll do with this book. Now, clearly, one of the things that I absolutely know to be true is that if you want to combat this addiction, if you want to be the best person ever, then you have to be able to find the tools and the structure that fit your needs. And this is not for somebody who's lazy. This means that you have to really delve into a whole host of tools because this addiction is way worse than just alcohol or drugs. This is a process addiction, and that means that you have to utilize every resource possible to make that happen. And that is, you know, one of the exciting things about this book, Clint's Journey Home, A Cowboy's Guide to Hope and Freedom from Addiction, because as you read through this, you're going to find out what did he do that made a big difference in his life when really he was making a mess of his life. So welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. I, You know, Roy, you just have written an amazing book. Thank you, Carol. It's good to be with you. Absolutely. Now, kind of explain your situation to our listening audience. Well, um, I'm a therapist, and and uh, I don't mind using my uh, my real name here as well as my pen name. Uh, I'm Milton oh, good. Mack. Okay. Um, I've uh, I've written a number of books, and you've been been kind and interviewed me on uh, uh, several of those before. Um, but one of the things that I realized is some of the books that that uh, are written that. Uh, and there's multiple authors out there turning out amazing books about recovery from sex addiction as well as other addictions. Many of them are not being read because um, maybe they're thought to be a bit dry. Which right, or clinically course, oriented. Yeah, we, that's a better way of putting it. <laughs> I like uh-huh. that. Uh, but, yeah, the, the clinical orientation frankly, is a bit dry when you read it. Now, if you're in the middle of a crisis, immediately it's like, okay, I'll take whatever it, whatever you've got and, and I can make uh, something out of that. But um, I got to looking at all of the, uh, the uh, clients that I've got and uh, have worked with through the years and realized that, as is the case with most therapists that deal with sex addiction, Many of my clients had multiple addictions going on, and I thought, you know, I wonder if they would be willing to read something that read more like a novel. I mean, that's where I started, something like a novel. I never intended to write a novel. Um, But if I could write something like a novel, uh, get them immersed in a story, and then teach them about recovery and so forth, well, this was maybe a year and a half ago, and and over probably a, the better part of a year of writing this, uh, it evolved into just a full-blown novel, a Western novel. 
Um, and I say a Western novel. I wanted it set in uh, in something that uh, people could get a handle on. Um, uh, being from Texas, I live in Houston, uh, but I spent a great deal of time in, in, uh, around the state. And this is set in Bandera, Texas, which is in the Texas Hill Country, on a working cattle ranch. Uh, the interesting no, thing is, it doesn't have very many people, does it? I mean, right under a thousand people in this little town. Yeah, it's a it's a tiny little town. It's been it's been the same size for many years. They call it the the cowboy capital of the world. But the the interesting thing, many of my riding retreats, uh, and and that's the only way that I can ride. I've got to get away to do it. Um, and I, I took many riding retreats out into the Texas Hill Country and stayed on a number of different ranches, some of them guest ranches or dude ranches, uh, which uh, ended up flavoring the book a great deal uh, and borrowing some of the characters that I met. Uh, but the the thing that rings true with this is, yeah, it, it, it is, it's a story, it's a novel, but it is so true to life because it's about... Uh, a person that just gets his life off track. He had everything going for him. Uh, you know, he he wasn't rich, he wasn't famous, um, but he still had everything going for him. He had all that anybody really needs in life. And then he started throwing it away with one addiction after another after another. And before he knew it, his life was intertwined with multiple addictions, not unlike, uh, Carol, your your clients or my clients, and uh, began to see his life just sort of floating away. Well, absolutely. And, you know, since you said that I can say that I'm talking to Dr. Milt Magnus, and obviously you've written a lot of clinical books. And so one of the things that I said about this book was that as I was reading about Clint, I was able to put myself in in the place of many, many of my clients. No, they weren't necessarily cowboys, but they did have multiple addictions, and they did really struggle, and they did watch their friends with similar addictions. And and that's what I think the beauty of this book is, is that you can really apply this to your own life and to the lives of others with, with kind of an observer type of um, ability. Which, let's face it, if you can do it as yeah. an observer... Sometimes you're much more objective. Well, and you know, the, actually, Clint's first observation started taking place when he saw changes that were occurring in his best friend Micah. Um, and I had a little bit of fun with the with the characters on this. Clint's last name is Hazard. Clint Hazard. I mean, uh, as you read about him, I mean, he definitely is a hazard. Uh, and by the way, he named his son Trip. You know, I mean, what father would name his son Trip Hazard? But <laughs> that's that's what he ended up with. But but his best friend is Micah Goodfellow, um, and he watched the changes taking place in Micah. And by the way, the changes are not they're not earth shaking. They're not uh, some big religious uh, upheaval that's taking place where he goes out and becomes an evangelist. But but. Really, the changes that take place in a person's life when they discover recovery from whatever addiction uh, that they have going on. And, and, and my own personal belief is once a person 
identifies an addiction, there may be multiple addictions that are out there that need to be looked at. And certainly in in Clint's life, when he uh, when his life began to come unwound, he was focused on a single addiction, and then began watching the changes that took place in his best friend Micah's life. And over a number of months, with a number of um, days working together, and and uh, because of the ranch environment, they would work uh, day in and day out. Um, many times, you know, having uh, sharing the bunkhouse together in the evening or sleeping out on the trail. And he saw changes, real change, taking place in Micah's life. And not once did Micah um, try to tell him, hey, look, I found the right way. You need to do what I have done. But in just a very quiet way, he just continued living his life. But what Clint saw was a life that was as equally out of control as his own, began to get back on track. And uh, he saw amazing results. And a number of times he would ask his friend, uh, Micah, what, what's going on with you? You know, Micah, what, what is it you're, that, that book you, you pull out of the saddlebags each evening and you write in? What is that? Uh, his journal. Um, you know, why, why is it you, you, don't, you don't go out partying with me anymore? You know, we used to... Um, Together, you know, we would um, spend the, the evening with some, he called them little sweet things, some little sweet thing that we picked up in, in the bar. Um, why is it you don't do that anymore? And Micah wisely realized that Clint was not yet at a place where he was willing to take direction, much less take advice from his best friend. So he kept quiet. Um, and, you know, one of the, the, the tenets of recovery is that, that a person's not going to get into recovery until they get to that place. And in AA, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they talk about, uh, you know, people having to go out and find their true bottom. You know, they, they're, they're, they're not yet ready until they really hit the bottom. Now, in, in our sex addiction work, we don't necessarily t- speak of it in the same terms, but we see much the same. Until a person's life gets so out of control that they are forced to um, to take a look, a real look at where they are and where they're going, only then are they ready for recovery. And sometimes they're not even ready at that point. They have to experience a number of losses. And certainly in Clint's life, um, there are many losses that... Um, he uh, had, um, and you know the the losses, Carol. There, uh, it's interesting that you know it's you, you you can read the 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 story of Clint and what he gave up for his addiction. You know, chasing, looking for something temporal that was not going to satisfy, and uh, some of it's is frankly, it's pretty graphic. Um, not not graphic in in terms of being uh, something inappropriate for someone to read, but graphic in uh, in the fact that that it, it is a real life coming unwound. But yeah, absolutely. The, I feel like it really depicted the trauma uh, that you experience when you've made bad decisions. I mean, 
Talk a little bit about that scene where Clint passes out in the medium of the interstate and tell us a little bit about that scene and why you depicted it that way. Um, an interesting uh, an interesting uh, example. Um, he's uh, and uh, not really a spoiler uh, to, to to give you this, but but Clint wakes up in a truck that's not his own uh, in the median of Interstate 10 in another state, uh, $4,000 in a paper sack beside him, and has no idea how he got there, doesn't know whose truck it is, doesn't know what day it is, and it takes a while for him to to really come to terms with what's happened. Finally, he puts it together that it's the weekend, or it has been the weekend. It's uh, already to Sunday. And he puts two and two together and realizes, yeah, you know, the weekend, that's the time that that I get with my buddies from the ranch and we drive to Lake Charles. We go to the, to the casino, the closest casino uh, to where he lived. And... You know, the interesting thing is when he goes to the casino, he's uh, the other guys go for entertainment, and they, they bet a bit, and they have a good time. They drink a bit, and they have a good time. Uh, Clint uh, doesn't do anything uh, to moderation. So he drinks a lot. He gambles a lot. And if he wins, he goes and celebrates at one of the strip clubs uh, and buys entertainment for the evening. And if he loses... He always has a couple of bills tucked away in his wallet so that he can uh, go find someone to commiserate with him. And anyway, he wakes up in the, the middle of the median money uh, in a sack and realizes, my goodness, I've been to a casino. Um, I've gambled. I've obviously won, but somehow I'm in somebody else's truck. Um as far-fetched as that sounds, a number of years ago, I had somebody relate almost verbatim to me, not a client, but uh, someone that, that I had met, uh, relate a similar incident. Um, very few details in it are changed from what uh, Clint, uh, or what's, what's written about Clint in the, in the book. Um, so, you know, these are not far-fetched things at all. In fact, it, it it would only take someone a little while hanging out with people who are in recovery, especially in recovery from multiple addictions, if they talk openly about the craziness of where their life used to be and not, not glamorizing it, say, oh, that's nothing, let me tell you what I used to do but people who really are heartbroken about things they used to do, you realize that that, that story is not far-fetched at all. It is uh, it, it is very much what many people are going through um, or have experienced already in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I, too, have had several clients that had Similar experiences. I mean, that is what is so scary about this disease as well as any other addiction, that when you black out, when you 
um, participate in so many things that you absolutely saturate your brain, whether it's an endorphin high, whether it's a drug high, alcohol high, whatever, you know, then you aren't aware of who you can become and where life takes you. And and that scene was so um, indicative of how this addiction can take you down. Yeah. And you know the I didn't there's some seem far fetched at all. Yeah, some some parts of the story Clint never never knew because the person relating it to me never knew. And that is where'd the truck come from? Um, you know, whose whose truck was it? Um and he had the money there and he assumes he won gambling, but he doesn't know. I mean, so if he's in a truck that's not his, so stolen, you know, could he have even stolen the money? I mean, that's not that's not in uh, the book per se, but but still, those are the, the 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 crazy things that that addicts may um, have uh, experienced as they they deal with multiple addictions. You know, it, it's uh, of course of course you and I both, Carol, we work with primarily with with sex addiction. I mean, that's that's where the focus is. You know, want to see people get free, want to see partners heal, want to see relationships restored. And I mean, that's that's where my heart beats the most, to see a relationship restored. And with Clint, you know, it, it starts out with him watching his relationship dissolve into nothing. And his wife kick him out, and you know life, which was already not going well, began to really uh, start down the, the 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 whirlpool into the drain pipe. He looks at his son across the the, the dining room, uh, a son that he works with every day at the ranch, and his son just glares at him. And you know that that is so much what people in addiction are dealing with. You know not only. Have they they hurt themselves? Not only are they hurting their spouse, but oftentimes children, their own children, won't speak to them anymore, and and they go through years of estrangement, and maybe, sadly, sometimes a lifetime of estrangement because of the 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 temporary high that comes from pursuing an addiction or multiple addictions. Oh, absolutely. Now, let me ask you. Obviously, you said that you wrote this because you felt like this storyline um, would benefit people who who weren't really interested in getting the clinical perspective. And you and I both agree, if somebody's in crisis, they may begin a book. Maybe they'll finish it, but they'll at least begin it. But if it's not their forte, they they can't go with it. So... This is a novel. This is fiction. And yet, how did you draw on your experience as a therapist to write this book? Obviously, life experience, obviously your clients. But tell me how this worked for you. You went off to write it, and you said to do your writing, you really had to get away. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really a bit of a... And this is going to come out wrong, but I'm, I'm a bit of a cowboy at heart. Um, I mean, I don't I don't wear a hat, and uh, my cowboy boots—they hurt my feet. <laughs> you won't see me in them much, but I'm still a cowboy at heart. 
and have been all my life. And so, you know, drawing on that, the, the thing that resonates for me always about uh, the Western culture is, you know, it's not the boots, the hats, or the, the roping, or rodeos, or whatever. It's, um, oh, just a, it, it's a way of life. Um, for for a cowboy, um, you know, it, it, it's about integrity, living in integrity. It's about a uh, person's word being their bond. It's about uh, giving a good day's work for a for a decent day's pay, and a lot of things. I mean, it's it, it, it's apple pie and all of that, you know, all rolled together into one. And so I I use that vehicle to. Um, really capture a lot of the heartache that I've seen through the years. But, you know, there's heartache in it, but, but I need to tell you there's also there's also joy. Because like the title said, this is Clint's journey home. Um the journey, there there's heartache in that. There's 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 sadness, there's um you know, we, we, we see clients that, that do self-destructive things, um, and, you know, it, it's sad when when there, there's people that I know that are going through heartache or people that that uh, I've become very close to, and I see sadness in their life. But the the reality is that, that far beyond the, the scope of people that we know uh, in our in our own world, um, many of the people we come in contact with every day that that mask uh, mask their uh, existence with a smile and a and a happy hello uh, are are going through heartbreaking things, and many of them the result of addiction, either yeah, their addiction or, or or their spouse. Yeah, and that you know that dual dark side. I mean, one of the things that struck me about this book is you really do a fabulous job of, again, describing the typical cowboy who does have integrity, who is simple, who enjoys the easy things in life, and yet is such a hard worker. You said, you know, yeah. obviously works a hard day for a day's pay, and and yet at the same time. This um, dark life would resonate with any addict, and this, you know, obviously Clint suffers from multiple addictions. Now, you know, in the book, Clint sees a psychologist. So, did your experience as a therapist <laughs> that development? Yeah. Of- <clears throat> you know, uh, I did not intend for it to. Yeah, you know, Carol. It, this is the most amazing process of of writing a novel, and and as interesting as uh, as it may may seem, I finished I finished this and immediately uh, began. I thought, you know, I, this was so much fun visiting that ranch out in in Bandera. I wonder what it was like back in the 1870s. And so I've written a trilogy of novels uh, that are they're not recovery related at all. They're they're but. But you know my publishers picked them up and we're uh, going to go with them. But what I was going to say, the the interesting thing is in in writing a novel, I, I did not intend to pattern that uh, that psychologist after anybody in particular. Um, you know, Clint 
has to go see uh, the therapist as uh, a requirement to keep his job. His his boss mandates it, and uh, you know, clients that are that are mandated to to do anything, they're they're really not good clients. I mean, as far as from a from a therapy standpoint, um, they're checking the box, they're doing whatever they need, and um, you know, and I've had I've had a few of those back way back in the past. I, I took some EAP uh, um, clients where the uh, employer would. Um, mandate that you know somebody had to go to to therapy for a while for so many sessions and and those at least in, in my case they didn't they didn't turn out real well I, I didn't see a real motivated client and that's the way clint uh presented to this therapist um well i was several pages into it when i realized you know the this therapist is pretty hard-nosed, and, and I, I had to chuckle to myself, and I thought, you know, that's exactly what your clients think about you. Um, I'm, I'm very directive. I'm, um, I'm not a I'm not a feel-good kind of therapist where I want people to to do some navel contemplation and you know how are you feeling about this and that. I mean, sure, we do feelings checks. You know, it, it matters what's going on with them, but. You know, my my focus is if you want to get free, if you want to get free from your addiction and 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 put a relationship back together, I can show you how to do it. And and in doing that, it, it, it this is not a smorgasbord. You you don't come and and go through the cafeteria line and take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and say no, I think I'll pass on this other. Um, and so I'm I'm, I'm very directive and and so. So that therapist is very directive. I know I had a uh, the first time I had a client come to me um, several years ago that said, uh, you know, you talk about this twelve step stuff, and uh, I want to know what other options there are. You know, is there any other way to do recovery? I said, you know, I'm. I'm I know there is. I know there's there's people that do not believe in the twelve step approach. They don't have clients go to meetings. He said, I, I, "You know, I want I want you to lay out a different plan for me." I said, "Well, I won't do that." I said, "There are other plans, but but what I believe is this is the way to get sober, to stay sober, and and the way to rebuild your life. And I'm not going to teach you something lesser." Um, if you want something lesser, you can go find that somewhere else. So, anyway, the the therapist, uh, with a, a bit of uh, verbal pushing and shoving, uh, where where Clint tries to take control of a session, uh, finally just tells Clint, you know, that's fine. You do not have to be here, and uh, he lets him lets him leave his office. In fact, he directs him to leave his office, not unlike uh, what I've done on a number of occasions with uh, clients that, that really didn't want to work. And and yet it was a bit of a wake-up call for Clint because he realized, my goodness, if I don't do this, you know, this was the requirement to keep my job. Um, if I don't do this, then I'm immediately going to lose my job. And so he at least became more open to hearing that help was available. 
And now, frankly, Clint didn't do a whole lot in therapy. I mean, he went through his mandated number of sessions. Um, he he checked the box. He was able to retain his job. He learned something. But, you know, as far as there being some big aha in it, there wasn't. But, you know, that also is reality about uh, doing psychotherapy with clients. I would love it if every client who came to see me, and I guess you would as well, would uh, after 50 minutes just have this big aha and say, you know, my goodness, therapist, you have changed my life. I see the light, and I'm going to go out and and live a different way. Um, And it doesn't happen like that with most, but we we can see incremental change taking place with clients. And and frankly, when somebody has let addiction run their life for decades and have uh, really gotten off track, it's uh, you know it, it's not realistic to think that we can put everything back on track and in a few hours or a few days, you know, uh, yeah, I heard you mention uh, a minute ago, I was listening to your show before before the call started, uh, talk, talk about intensives. And, of course, you know that's what I do in, in my practice, uh, three-day intensives with couples. And mm-hmm. I, I see some remarkable changes taking place over three days with couples. But you know what? It's not a three-day cure. Um, it It is the beginning process. And... Uh, Frankly, recovery continues for a lifetime with my clients, with your clients, and, and it, it does with Clint and with his best friend, Micah, who's just a year ahead of him, but uh, was making the changes before, before Clint started his own recovery journey. Well, and just sharing a little bit about you, I know that I was uh, doing my men's group tonight, and... Um, I have somebody in my group that you did fire. And so one of the exercises, <laughs> Oops, yeah, one of the, one of the exercises that we were doing um, was that each man had to grab a book and they had to put it in the arms of a man who was not yet really embracing his recovery tools. So, you know, I started and I handed a book, handed him a book, and I said, you know, I wish that you would embrace the things that you need for good recovery. And then the next man happened to hand him an SAA book and said, if you would just read a page a day, you would be changed. And then the next man brought your book um, to him and said, um, you know, this is the hope and the freedom that you can get if you read this book. And wow. interestingly enough, I, I I flipped the book up and I said, you know, I'm going to have this man on my show today, Dr. Milt Magnus. And three or four guys laughed because everybody knows that one of my guys in my group had been fired. And my guy goes, <laughs> well, you know, that's the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Because oh, wow. what it did was it was a wake-up call that I needed to look at my life more seriously. And, you know, sometimes when a sponsor fires you or a therapist fires you or a treatment center fires you, you do realize, it may not be right away, but you do realize 
this is serious and maybe I'm not taking it as seriously as I could. And that's what I I really feel like Clint went through. I mean, he acquiesced because he knew he had to, but, you know, that gave him an opportunity to um, look at recovery a little differently and also for you to plant some seeds or the therapist to plant some seeds. Um, Yeah, I I, I so appreciate you sharing that with me. And, and, uh, you know, the the reality is that on those occasions, and this doesn't happen but once or twice a year when, when, uh, for whatever reason, I (laughs) fire somebody. Uh, But... In most of those cases, when that happens, I, I don't hear from a client again. And my whole purpose is, well, in, in all that I do, whether I work with them or choose not to work with them in the future, is to hold a mirror up to them as closely as possible so they can see their own behavior um, and maybe learn from it. And, uh, and you know, some sometimes, uh, you know, I, I look at, at things uh, from many years ago in my own life, you know, some of the the best lessons I got were those where I I took a misstep and just got slapped in the face by life, and said, "Oh my goodness, I need to make a change." So, you know, the 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 kind of uh, tough approach is uh, not for the sake of being tough. Um, you know, I, I figure I've got three days with a client or with a couple, and I, I work with the, the man by himself and then a the woman um, and then with the the couple. I've got three days, and I don't have the luxury of, of trying to build a year's worth of rapport with them and have them feeling good about their therapist in Houston that they've just come to see. Um, but... What I want is to help them break through whatever they need to break through, uh, come to grips with whatever they need, need to come to grips with, and uh, come to an end of their self, uh, themselves. And, and whatever it is that's been standing in the way of them doing the work they need to do. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, Carol, that many of the couples that I work with are like Clint in, in this respect, in that when they start with me, they are absolutely sure the problem is with their wife. I mean, they've got a rotten marriage. They know it's rotten, and why is it rotten? Well, they know the reason is their wife. If she would just change, if she was more of this or less of that. But it, it it's so amazing that when, and, and, and all I work with are, are male sex addicts. You know, I've got other therapists that that are uh, use my treatment model, uh, female therapists that work with female sex addicts. But when a when a man can can really come face to face with his addiction and what he has done, and quit alibying his bad behavior and quit blaming it on somebody else, and and uh, finally get honest, you know, do the disclosure you were talking about. Uh, and a disclosure, anything less than 100% is just a deception. It's not a disclosure. So, you know, the entire life, everything, every secret, holding nothing back, that when he can finally do that, you know, it, it's amazing the changes that take place in a relationship, not only for him, then 
for the wife that that he thought was so hard or so not understanding him uh when she sees the changes taking place in him oftentimes she changes as well and relationships that have had no hope can put it back together and and find true hope for the future and you know that's that's some of the most exciting work that that we do. I mean, and one of the things, frankly, that keeps us going back to the office on Monday morning is that we have the opportunity to to show people, and and you know, the people that we work with are not they're not bad people. They're not scum of the earth. These are these are good people, successful people, people who have accomplished a great deal. But to show people like that how to get life back on track and to do the one thing that they found impossible. Uh, you know, they, they could they could succeed at everything else. The one thing they found impossible was making a break with their addiction. And uh, sex addiction, of course, that's our primary focus. And, and often, though, with the sex addiction, as in the case of Clint, there's some alcohol going on, there's some drugs. Um, for Clint, there's gambling. You know, there's a a smorgasbord, uh, really, of, uh, you know, where there's not a, a smorgasbord uh, way of doing recovery, there's a smorgasbord of addictions that uh, he was dealing with. So seeing people get free, seeing them come face-to-face with that and then make a break and get free from their addiction, that's some of the most exciting work that we get to do as therapists. Well, absolutely, and there there was a lot of hope at the end of this book. Now, I had heard that you may be writing a sequel, so and maybe even a prequel. So tell us a little you know, bit about that's, what you think. That's that's what um, that was initially in my mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had uh, I thought I could do a, a, a prequel to it and write about Micah's life and maybe a sequel to it and and uh, show uh, Clint's. Um, you know Clint's journey in recovery, and maybe what happens with his son, with Trip, as as you know, because Trip follows in his daddy's footsteps. I mean, he was he was involved in all the things his dad was. Um, he learned well from the master, um, and I think those probably will come at some point in the future. The uh, the thing that I found as I started uh, began that process was my mind went back to just the the old west and that's when i wrote the uh the uh series of uh, uh not recovery related uh novels uh the the trilogy that's set in the old west so and and by the way those will be coming out also in the next uh several weeks they'll be by the same publisher the publisher has a uh is actually launched a a new website uh, that'll just be for these uh, as the focus. There'll be other Western novels on it and maybe some recovery novels as well. Um, But there'll be a site called topwesterns.com. And uh, the very first offering on that site will be Clint's Journey Home. And um, so I I wrote it. Um, I I don't mind people knowing my identity for... Um, 
for uh, Clint's journey home is is being Milton Magnus, you know, right under the name Roy Clinton. But um, the other uh, novels, you know, I just uh, kind of make a break there between my practice and and what is just an avocation for me uh, writing the, the the Western novels. Yeah, well, I can tell you really love that. You're really a cowboy at heart. Now, let me ask you. This book should be released probably the first week of April? Uh, yes. I, in fact, I talked to the publisher today. I had uh, understood it was going to be released April 1st, and they told me, I said, nope, nope, April 1st is April Fool's Day. We're going to release it on April 2nd. <laughs> so, so I said, okay. I don't I don't understand all of that, uh, you know, around the marketing. But it should be out on April 2nd, and... There's uh, there'll be a paperback version, a Kindle version, and uh, within a few weeks, uh, we, we've got the Western trilogy that'll come out on the heels of that, probably at two-week intervals for each of the three books. But on the, the heels of that, um, we want to have this available in audio form um, because I know what uh, a number of folks like to do is to, to listen to a novel when they're they're traveling. So I've I've got the uh, uh, the voice actor um, focused on. Um, I know who I would like to uh, to do the reading, and uh, it, at first I I toyed with the idea of doing it myself, and and I realized I don't think I've got that much patience to go back and read and reread and take out the the vocalized pauses and the stutters and the <clears throat> clearing my throat. Um, and do it again and again. So um, I'll have somebody that just does that for a living do it. But it's a guy with a big Western voice, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to having having that out. And, and you know, Carol, one of my hopes with this with this book is that maybe people that that haven't yet recognized that they've got any kind of problem with addiction that just for the for the the love of uh the western genre uh, might pick it up and and read it a bit and find it intriguing and read a bit farther and and uh you know part of my part of my hope is that uh, there'll be some people that read it that finally recognize that uh, they're just reading their own life story uh, in a western setting at a little town in Texas, but everything else about it um, rings pretty close to home. Well, absolutely. So now I want to ask you, listeners can find this book at all the right places when it comes out, which you think will be April 2nd. They can find it April at Amazon.com or top slash what? No, it's topwesterns.com. Yeah, just topwesterns, topwesterns.com and, and um I'm sure we'll put it on the, the Hope and Freedom website, hopeandfreedom.com as well. But um, you know, our, our we think probably the, the the biggest audience will find it on Amazon and uh, and perhaps the Kindle version. And and uh, like I say, the the audio version later. I think that's a, a whole different audience. Um, but um, you know, hopefully, it'll be something that. That people will find entertaining, yes, but helpful also. That's my desire. 
Well, I know that. And so before we end, you know, I need to sing your praises because how many videos do you have on your website? Oh, um, I don't I don't know. I would have I would have counted. I don't know, there's forty or fifty or so. Um, maybe more than that. I added a few today. Um I had a a day without clients and so I was able to, to, to get into the studio and do a little bit of work and um and, and you know, the the videos here's the thing. Um you know, Carol, therapy is an expensive proposition. Everybody cannot afford to see a therapist, and certainly everybody can't afford to come to a three-day intensive. But I thought, I want to be able to have uh, something to offer people that they don't have to pay for, uh, that doesn't cost them anything. And so HopeAndFreedom.com was developed as a resource for people that may never get into my office or any other therapist's office and be able to find answers to questions that uh, may have, uh, uh, you know, they may have been dealing with and may find uh, help for help for uh, themselves or maybe for a family member. It's, it's amazing how often the, the people that uh, find my website, they're looking for, help for a son or a daughter i got a uh, an email today from a man that says uh we've we've found my 11 year old daughter is doing some things on the computer that are of a sexual nature he didn't expand beyond that but he's looking for help for her Um, someone with a a 14 year old son uh, a few weeks back uh, saying the same, you know, there's there's a number of different things going on with my son, and I'm looking for for help, and so that's what the the website is about, and and that's what the the videos are about, and um, you know, if I can if I can help somebody through that, then uh, then you know, I'm I'm pleased to do so, and and you know there there are some other uh there's some some really some more structured courses um that uh people can take uh, they can go to there's a a video series for men that want to get free from sex addiction uh they can go to i can stop dot com uh, and there's a 30 video series, one video a day for 30 days. It goes with the, our 30 days to hope and freedom workbook. And then for spouses of sex addicts, there's a 30 video series called I Must Heal. Um, and the, the the website for it is imustheal.com. And those 30 videos, they're not one video per day. Uh, like it is for the sex addict, but rather it's one video per week for 30 weeks. Because as we, we both know, the, the healing that a spouse goes through is much a much slower process. And, uh, and, and by the way, those videos are not long, those, those series. They're, they're 10 to 15 minutes each, so we're not talking about a, 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 a huge amount of uh, time expenditure, but... But it, it, it's a way of being able to guide people through 
recovery that you know may not be able to afford uh, say a single session and they can for less than the price of a of a single therapy session can go through a video series that that could help get them on the right track well and i have to say i have to sing your praises because i find that your videos and maybe patrick carnes are the best videos out there for educating the public and making it consumer-friendly. So for anybody who wants to check out Dr. Milton Magnus's videos, they should go to www.hopeandfreedom.com. Is it you.com or just hopeandfreedom.com? No, hope, hopeandfreedom.com is our main website. If, if okay. all they want is the videos... Uh, just okay. the, the free YouTube videos. Our YouTube channel is www.gottostopit.com. G-O-T-T-O-S-T-O-P-I-T, gottostopit.com. And they can uh, find all the videos there and and uh, not have to wade through uh, anything else, just see the videos. Okay, well, I can see that we need to end, but I want to encourage people especially if you're just not into those clinical, educational manuals, workbooks, and books, you've got to check out Clint's Journey Home, A Cowboy's Guide to Hope and Freedom from Addiction by Roy Clinton, pseudonym for Dr. Milton Magnus. So, Dr. Magnus, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I love this endeavor. I have a feeling that this is going to be a whole new genre that other people are going to expand upon because it's it's fun, it's fascinating, it's also poignant and and uh, disturbing all at the same time, <laughs> and it's an easy read. It's really well done. Well, thank you, Carol. It's been a, a pleasure being with you again. Thanks for the work you do and the, uh, your uh, tenacious spirit in, in doing this week after week. Thank you much. Hey, you have a great week, and we'll see you hopefully at the symposium. I'll see you in May. Yes. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Okay, so that was Dr. Milton Magnus. And, again, this book, Clint's Journey Home, A Cowboy's Guide to Hope and Freedom from Addiction, it's a great read, and it's a novel. It's fiction, but it talks about multiple addictions, alcohol, gambling, sex, and the struggle that good old Clint had, as well as the recovery of his friend Micah. All right, we will see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And um, as I say at the end of every show, I'm sure you repeat this with me, don't you? There will only be one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. And don't hesitate to email me if you have a question. Go to my YouTube channel, Sex Help with Carol the Coach, or feel free to contact me through the show. If you're struggling with something and you just don't know who to turn to, we'll get you to the right place. Have a great week.